0: Hello? Hello? Are you hearing me? Lord Christ. Hmm. Am I on? Managed thing. I don't know if I'm on. I can't see. Studio mode. What the fuck is studio? Am I on? What's all that noise? Do I hear myself? Why do I hear myself? Hello? Oh, because I'm playing the, the business. I don't want to do that. Can you... Why do I still hear myself? I don't want to record myself. Hold on, audience. I'm, I'm new at this. I'm not... I'm not... Um, do you know who Shmui Beteach is? Do You see me? Audience in the chat room, do you see me or not? I know you hear me talking, but I'll figure that out. Let's see... Desktop audio, properties. I'm an old woman. I don't know about this shit. Oh, that's, that's not video properties. I mean audio. Can you hear me? Yeah, good, you hear me. Very exciting. Yeah, just give me a sex con here. I mean, oh, I can't swear, right? Because it's YouTubes. Don't worry, if I get cut off uh, by the YouTube police, and I invariably will, this will be streamed on insanefilms.com where I can have freedom. I hope you like my chest. I know I'm a boomer. I can't look at the No, but I got to stop the noise. Where is it coming from? It said no echo and now I have an echo. It's not time for it to start yet anyway. Don't, I know you, but I hear myself talking. That's the problem. Okay, so, um, okay, let's see. Why do you turn off the mute? I swear I saw it before. I saw it before you could s- turn off the monitoring and now I can't turn off the monitoring because the button's gone. It's bullsh bul- I can't say, I can't say s, Right? I can't say anything bad because it's two thousand and twenty-four. You're only allowed to insurrect. You're not allowed to swear. Okay. Let's see. Audio. You know what? I can just turn the volume down. I guess. How's that? How do you like that? And don't give me money because I'm demonetized ages ago on this fucking. Oh, oops. Girdle, girdle. This channel, uh, because of the, fucking. Everything, all the fat videos and the walls fall out, it all got me demonetized. So I'm just here for you, audience. I'm really here for the MAGA crowd. Is this thing on? I got to play my Twitter sheet. I got my iPad here, and I want to make sure that it's really recording and that you can all hear me. I don't know if my Telegram friends can hear me. Can you hear me, Telegram friends? I assume you don't need time. Yeah, that's right. I'm not going to look at... Yeah, I'm... I, okay, can you hear me, though, us person in, uh, can you hear me okay is my is my sound good my sound good my wig okay my ditties my vagina well it stinks you know i wore this outfit and i didn't know it would smell this bad because the last time i wore it was probably two years ago and i i just haven't washed it okay i still want to test the stream it's not quite time for me to be live as the kids say So I'm I'm so sweaty and horrible. I I have an air conditioner above me and I can't turn it on because uh, it's noisy as hell. I'll let you hear it, though, just so I can cool off for a minute. Can you hear that? Uh, Person in telegram, how does my... um, How does my... um, uh, how Can you hear the um, uh, air conditioner? Is it very disturbing? How does the telegram person... I have a monitored in there. Special people. Did you know that Jonas, uh, the true, d- can't hear the AC at all? Are you sure? I don't believe you because it's going to drive me crazy in post. But thank you. That's nice of you to say. I don't know why I asked, but it's very, very hot in here. Let's see. Okay, I need to check my stream on the iPads, and then we'll be ready to go. Ready to go as soon as I, you know, I got a New York Times subscription for this show. Oh, I look pretty as fu- f. In there. Oh, I look really good. Did you know the look at me. I'm like on television. True, can't hear the I'm on theater. television. Sure? I don't look it at me. I'm sexy me and hot. Oh. My audio is good. I really think I'm in love with myself. I'm like those... T- uh, I'm going to turn off the thing. It'll be fine if I sweat. It'll be disgusting. I'm just like those people um, who t- do the TikTok dancing and show their vaginas and booties. I can say vagina and booty here, can't I? All right. Am I recording? Well, it says stop recording, so I would assume that means... Rec- Why are you talking... See, I'm reacting to myself over there on that screen. Who is behind? It's, it's like a time warp. Um, time warp, time warp, crooked letter. Okay, indictment. Where is that thing? Where is that indictment? I know you're here somewhere in your New York Times applet. I bookmarked it and everything. No, I didn't mean to... I didn't want to bookmark it. I want to see my bookmarks. I want to. I'm not gonna say anything dirty though. I don't want to say dirty things, cause then I'll get banned from the YouTubes. But I'm still gonna keep recording. Cause where is the thing? Where for you? This is a terrible app, the New York Times. Where are my bookmarks? You made me bookmark things. Where are where are the things I bookmarked? Help! I don't know where the things I bookmarked are. Hey Siri, where are my bookmarks in this goddamn New York Times? Oh, I know it's cancel culture or something all right let's see okay i'm gonna calm down where are my bookmarks so i'll do the search book marks oh no that would be too obvious wouldn't it new york times i had a computer professor and he used to say madge if you ever don't know how a computer works think of how it should work and that's probably how it is the problem is that was in 1985 before all these assholes took over oh i can't say yes all right can I say yes, Ho? All right. And I hope uh, Taylor, my video, latest uh, and video graphic designer person is getting lots of stills of me for my album art. Look, I like to make faces. He likes, ooh, look at that face and that face. How about that face? Ooh, ooh, eh, ooh, eh, ah, ooh, ah. Did you get enough faces for the goddamn album art? Ooh, ooh, eh, ooh, ah, ooh, eh, ooh. Uh, mm. I hope my hair is uh, mattable this time. Not mattable, but screenable, whatever you call it. I can't find the god. Oh, for you, right? That's where it would be. Okay, so where are the things I bookmarked? Uh, Okay, I'm going to ask my telegram because they know about, they know about, uh, thank you. They know about, uh, I know some of you have the New York Times app. Where do I find the book? Okay, I'll just search for indictment, I guess. I had this already. I thought, oh, how hard can it be? To find a bookmark. If anybody is listening from the New York Times, um, please fix this. It's horrible. Ah, download the PDF. But that's not what I want. I want the... I want the annotated one. Ah, here it is. Okay. I got it ready. This is going to be wonderful. Though you're not going to get to see... I feel like my head is cut off. You know, I used to work... on a little broadcast, and they always said, you know, you got to leave a little headroom. You don't want to get cut off of there. The headroom. Oh, my armpits stink. I guess that's all right. Yeah, you got to leave a little headroom, right? Is that right? All right, everyone. So I want to talk about what this is. I normally do my special live program audio. Actually, I haven't put on my full regalia for a long time, years, in fact. Uh, but I thought, you know, it's a special occasion because here I am. I'm a lesbian, okay? I'm not a drag queen. It's is sort of a technicality. But the thing is, Drag, I get confused for being a drag queen a lot because I do look a lot rather mannish. I understand that. So, and, But at the same time, I, I fully support all drag queens, except for Lady Bunny because she's an asshole. But um, I, I fully support drag queens, and um, I think that I would like to defend them publicly. And the way that the magas have been coming after the drag queens and saying, oh, you can't read stories to children, Well, that's really the key word there is read. The problem is MAGAs don't like reading and they certainly don't want to read things like this indictment, which I'm about to read to you. So the point is, audience, that this indictment is really important to read. But since MAGAs can't read or won't read, I'm not sure which, I'm going to read it to you. And that it's also at the same time, I'm trying to make a point, which is that's why they banned drag queens. Not because we're gonna diddle your kids or whatever. That's ridiculous. We just want to have fun and tell stories. And you know, you've been entertained by drag queens forever. Milton Berle, gosh, Laurel and Hardy did drag. Everybody did drag. It's nothing. Uh, Robin Williams. I mean, the list goes on. And it's just a nice way to entertain. It's just cute. And when you put an, a nasty meaning on something, it shows that something's wrong in your head. Something's wrong with you. But I think in some ways, it also comes down to the fact that you don't want to, f- don't want to use the F word. You don't want to read, right? You don't want to read, so I'm going to read it to you because when you hear this, when you read this, think of this as an audio book. You're, and I'm sure it's going to have to be more than one session because the thing's long. But you're going to realize that, geez, this what Trump did was truly criminal. I mean, it really was, and he he runs around. And I figured out this Hunter Biden thing. You know, the reason they bring up the Hunter Biden is because they wanted to they want to do the the fair and balanced thing and pretend, oh. This is just, is just is just the same thing as Hunter Biden, right? Just retaliation, right? It's just they're going after us for political reasons because that's what Hunter Biden is, political. But no, this is real crime. So let's just get right into it, audience. All you have to do is listen because I'm your lesbian storyteller for the evening. Let me just see if everything's okay. What's wrong with my lipstick? Something wrong? All right, I just got to make sure everything's working. Uh... I will tell, uh, let's see. Oh, thank you. You're a little late, but I got the, the bookmark. Um, I'm going to turn off my, uh, my Do Not Disturb. And the reason is because I'm t- asking just my, my Telegram little group, my little posse. And by the way, we are taking uh, applications for new Telegram members, but we need it to either be a nice girl, female, or a man with a big penis. But we're not allowing no fucks. Oh, shoot, I don't think I can say Norfolk's. Never mind. Okay, we just... Never mind. Skip that. Skip that. And don't erase me. Because I said that. I mean Norfolk, Virginia. Virginia. All right, where was I? So I turned off... So if somebody... If I have a problem, a glitch that's major that I need to know about, somebody in Telegram just tell me, but please don't bother me otherwise, because I'm going to see that fucking bleep. Oh, oops, I swore again. I can't do this. Oh, it's getting hot. I might turn on the air anyway i'm gonna turn on the air screw it uh, i know that you hear it though although maybe you don't but i think you do but s- certain people said i don't i don't want to say names all right okay let's see in the united states district court for the un oh in the united states now i'm getting all these notifications it's distracting In in the united states district court for the District of Columbia. Why is this important, says the New York Times? Because it's in the District of Columbia where there's Democrats, not in Florida where everybody loves him. Okay. The grand jury charge indictment. The grand jury charges that at all times material to this indictment, on or about the dates and approximate times stated below, the defendant, Donald J. Trump, was the 45th president of the United States and a candidate for re-election in 2020. The defendant lost the 2020 presidential election. <coughs> Despite having lost, the defendant was determined to remain in power. So for more than two months following the election day on November 3rd, 2020, the defendant spread lies that there had been outcome determinant of fraud in the election and that he had actually won. These claims were false, and the defendant knew that they were false, but the defendant repeated and widely disseminated them anyway to make his knowingly false claims appear legitimate, create an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger, and erode public faith in the administration of the election. And this part's yellow, right? Because they're making the distinction, the prosecutor, that this is not a free speech thing, okay? We'll talk about more of this later, but you know, a lot of these people who didn't read the indictment will say, oh, you're, you're stopping Donald Trump has the right to free speech. No, free speech doesn't give you the right to commit felonies, right? Like if I say, hey, uh, Bertha, go kill, uh, you know, uh, Sylvia over there. Hey, Bertha, go kill Sylvia. So, and then Bertha kills Sylvia. Or I'll say, no, here's a better example. Hey, Bertha, here's $100 to kill Sylvia. Go kill Sylvia. Give her 100 bucks. She kills Sylvia, right? Now, I can say, if I'm like Trump, I can say, oh, I have the freedom of speech to, to demand the execution of Sylvia. No, you don't. All right, that was stupid. The defendant, I'm going to shut up and just read this because they, they argue things better than me. I'm just I'm just an idiot. And why people listen to idiots like me, like Jimmy Dore, who's also an idiot who does what I do. Why would you listen to people like me? That's why I just talk about my vagina lately, but this is important. I'm, going to, I'm just reading somebody else's words. It's okay. Is this thing recording all right wait you can hear the air it looks like you were doing something before the show what do you mean like eating pussy oh oops i didn't say leading i'm a cat i eat cats can i is that is like being a cat eater a literal cat eater worse than saying you perform cunnilingus it's interesting in terms of censorship it's a calming whoosh sound well i don't want to hear any sound so i'm going to turn it off again and burn up i don't want any calming whooshes the defendant had a right, like every American, to speak publicly about the election and even to c- claim, falsely, that there had been outcome-determinative fraud during the election and that he had won. He was also entitled to formally, formally challenge the results of the election through lawful and appropriate means, such as by seeking recounts or audits of the popular vote in states or filing lawsuits challenging ballots and procedures. Indeed, many cases in many cases the defendant did pursue these methods of contesting the election results. His efforts to change the outcome in any state through recounts, audits, or legal challenges were uniformly unsuccessful. 4. Shortly after election—I don't know if I've been reading the numbers, but I'm going to start— shortly after election day, the defendant also pursued unlawful means of discounting legitimate votes and subverting the election results. In doing so, the defendant perpetrated three criminal conspiracies. These are real conspiracies, not you know, JFK was murdered by you know three blind mice, okay? Or Fauci wants to kill you in you know Wuhan province or whatever. This is a real conspiracy, uh, a conspiracy a, lowercase a, a conspiracy to defraud the United States by using dishonesty fraud and deceit to impair obstruct and defeat the lawful federal conv- government function by which the results of the presidential election are collected counted and certified by the federal government in violation of 18 usc weird symbol 371 i don't know what that weird symbol is it looks like as a piece of jewelry i'd wear b a conspiracy to abruptly i'm sorry a conspiracy to corruptly obstruct and impede the January 6th congressional proceeding at which the collected results of the presidential election are counted and certified in violation of 18 U.S.C., 1512K, and blah, blah, thus and so. C. A conspiracy against the right to vote and to have one's vote counted in violation of thus and so. When I say thus and so, it doesn't literally say thus and so. It's a bunch of numbers and jewelry that I just don't want to go read through even though it could have in this time. Am I recording? All right. All right. Each of these conspiracies, each of these conspiracies, which built on the widespread mistrust the defendant was creating through pervasive and destabilizing lies about election fraud, targeted a bedrock function of the United States federal government, the nation's processing of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election, i.e., it doesn't say IE, it's in quotes, but I can't do the hand thing. The federal government function. Uh, five, I don't know where I got to five, because then not, well, you know, who cares? The elections contained in paragraphs one through four of this indictment are are re-alleged and fully incorporated here by reference. Six, from or on about, from on or about November 14th, 2020, through on or about 2020. January twentieth, 2021, in the District of Columbia and elsewhere, the defendant, Donald J. Trump, did knowingly combine, conspire, confederate, and agree with co-conspirators known and unknown to the grand jury to defraud the United States by using dishonesty, fraud, and deceit to impair, obstruct, and defeat the lawful federal government function by which the results of the presidential election are collected, counted, and certified by federal government." purpose of the conspiracy. The purpose of the conspiracy was to overturn the illegitimate, I'm sorry, oops, oops, the purpose of the conspiracy was to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election by using knowingly false claims of election fraud to obstruct the federal government function, by which those results are collected, counted, and certified. The defendants co-conspirators. The defendants enlisted co-conspirators to assist him in his criminal efforts to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election and retain power. Among these were Co-Conspirator 1, which I will tell you on the side, uh, because New York Times told me it's probably uh, Rudy Giuliani, an attorney who was willing to spread knowingly false claims and pursue strategies that the defendant's 2020 re-election campaign attorneys would not. Co-Conspirator 2, which is probably... um, John Eastman, I believe, yeah. yeah, I think so, right, right. No, seven. Sorry, eh, eh, eh. I don't know. Yeah, Eastman, whatever. Okay, I'm not gonna tell you who the other ones are. It's getting, it's, it's, it's losing my flow, my chi. Co-conspirator two, an attorney who devised and attempted to implement a strategy to leverage the vice president's ceremonial role overseeing the certification proceeding to obstruct the certification of the presidential election. Co-Conspirator 3, an attorney whose unfounded claims of election fraud the defendant privately acknowledged to others sounded crazy. Nonetheless, the defendant embraced and publicly amplified Co-Conspirator 3's disinformation. I believe that's Cindy Powell. Sidney Powell. Yeah. But uh, whatever. Right. Right. Uh, Co-Conspirator 4, the Justice Department official who worked on civil matters and who, with the defendant, attempted to use the Justice Department to open sham election crime investigations and influence state legislatures with knowingly false claims of election fraud. Co-Conspirator 5, an attorney who assisted in devising and attempting to implement a plan to submit fraudulent slates of presidential electors to obstruct the certification proceeding. Co-Conspirator Six, a political consultant who helped implement a plan to submit fraudulent states of presidential electors to obstruct the certification proceeding. This is serious, people. It's serious. And I'm schwitzing. The Federal Government Function. The Federal Government Function, and I think this part's really interesting, because honestly, I didn't know this. I I can admit when I don't know anything, because I'm an idiot, which is why you shouldn't listen to me, except when I'm reading things from people who do know what they're talking about. Hi, I'm Madge Weinstein, and I'm a lesbian with food allergies. And I'm not going to say what I was going to say because I don't want to get banned. I would say something about analingus, but I'm not going to because this is drag queen story hour, but it's not for kids. It's for adults. It's for MAGA. MAGA, I hope you're listening. Are you hope? Are you enjoying this? Do you need? Do you need a blankie? Do you need a drinkie? Uh, maybe a? Ju- uh, do you need a, a a juice box or something to get cozy while you listen? While you snuggle up to me, Auntie Madge and listen to the MAGA story about how your your idiot leader uh, is a criminal and tried to overthrow the government? You want to hear about that? Or would you rather live in your Fox News delusions? All right. You don't have to read. I'm reading it for you. I'll shut up now. The federal government... I mean, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to keep reading. The federal government function by which the results of the election for president of the United States are collect... Do I spit on me? I collect... <laughs> I'll start over. Let me just see. The federal government function by which the results of the election for president of the United States are collected, counted, and certified was established through the Constitution and Electoral Count Act, a federal law enacted in 1887. The Constitution provided that individuals called electors select the president and that each state determine for itself how to appoint the the electors a, point, a portion to it. Through state laws, each of the 50 states and the District of Columbia chose to select their electors based on the popular vote in their state. After Election Day, the ECA required each state to formally determine or ascertain the electors who would present represent the state's voters by casting electoral votes on behalf of the candidate who had won the popular vote and required the executive of each state to certify to the federal government the identities of these electors. Then, on a date set by the ECA, each state's ascertained electors were required to meet and collect the results of the presidential election, that is, to cast electoral votes based on their state's popular votes, and to send their electoral votes along with the state's executive certification that they were the state's legitimate electors to the United States Congress to be counted and certified in an official proceeding. Finally, the Constitution and ECA required that on the sixth of January, following Election Day, the Congress meet in a joint session for a certification proceeding, pro- presided over by the Vice President of the Senate, Vice President as President of the Senate, to count their electoral votes, resolve any objections, and announce the result, thus certifying the winner of the presidential election as President Elect. This f- federal government function from the point of ascertainment to the certification is foundational to the united states democratic democratic process and until 2021 had operated in a peaceful and orderly manner for more than 130 years manner and means god i'm I'm gonna turn it on again it's just killing me Uh, i'd rather have noise than than these itches i'm itching my back is itching right ah all right The defendant's conspiracy to impair, obstruct, and defeat the federal government function through dishonesty, fraud, and deceit included the following manner and means. The defendant and co-conspirators used knowingly false claims of election fraud to get get state legislators and election officials to subvert the legitimate election results and change electoral votes for the, the defendant's opponent, Joseph R. Biden Jr., to electoral votes for the defendant, that is, on the pretext of baseless fraud claims, the defendant pushed officials in certain states to ignore the popular vote, disenfranchise millions of voters, dismiss illegitimate electors, I'm sorry, dismiss legitimate electors, and ultimately cause the ascertainment of and voting by illegitimate electors in favor of the defendant. The defendant and co-conspirators organized fraudulent slates of electors in seven targeted states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, attempting to mimic the procedures that the the legitimate electors were supposed to follow under the Constitution and other federal and state laws. This included causing the fraudulent electors to meet the day appointed by federal law on which legitimate electors were to gather and cast their votes, cast fraudulent votes for the defendant, and sign certificates falsely representing that they were legitimate electors. Some fraudulent electors were tricked into participating based on the understanding that their votes would have been used only if the defendant succeeded in outcome determinative lawsuits within their state, which the defendant never did. The defendant and co-conspirators then caused these fraudulent electors to transmit their false certificates to the vice president and other government officials to be counted at the certification proceeding on January 6th. (laughs) Am I recording? Yes. I hope you like this two-tone wig audience. I know, it's time for a snuggle and a cuddle, right? Well, you're not going to get it, because this is MAGA reading time, and this is serious. All right. Uh, let's see. The defendants and co-conspirators attempted to use the power and authority of the Justice Department to conduct sham election crime investigations and to send a letter to the targeted states that falsely claimed that the Justice Department had identified significant concerns that may have impacted the election outcome. That sought to advance the defendant's fraudulent elector plan by using the Justice Department's authority to falsely present the fraudulent electors as valid alternatives to the legitimate electors, and urged on behalf of the the Justice Department the targeted states' legislators to convene to create the opportunity to choose the fraudulent electors over the legitimate electors. The defendant and co-conspirators attempted to enlist the vice president to use his ceremonial role. At the january 6th certification proceeding to fraudulently alter the results first using using knowingly false claims of election fraud the defendant and co-conspirators attempted to convince the vice president to use the defendant's fraudulent electors reject legitimate electoral votes or send legitimate electoral votes to state legislatures for review rather than counting them when that failed on the morning of january 6th the defendant and co-conspirators repeatedly repeated knowingly false claims of election fraud to gathered supporters, falsely told them that the Vice President had the authority to and might alter the election results, and directed them to the Capitol to obstruct the certification proceeding and exert pressure on the Vice President to take the fraudulent actions he had previously refused. After it had become, after it became public on the afternoon of January 6th that the Vice President would not fraudulently alter the election results, a large and angry crowd, including many individuals whom the defendant had deceived into believing the vice president could and might change the election results, violently attacked the Capitol and halted the proceeding. As violence ensued, the defendant and co-conspirators exploited the disruption by redoubling Efforts to levy false claims of election fraud and convince members of Congress to further delay the certification based on those claims. The next section is called The Defendant's Knowledge of the Falsity of His Election Fraud Claims. I think what I'm going to do is, um, I feel like I haven't been reading like childlike enough, and I know that, you know, like children, Nagas need to be entertained in their reading. So I'm going to try and read like Mrs. Pilcher, who was our librarian when I was a little gal she used to read us little stories you know about about things you know forests and fairy tales that sort of thing she would always talk very slowly and nicely i'm gonna try to be a little more storytelling like because after all this is lesbian drag queen storytelling for magus uh indictment edition all right and where was i oh i think i lost my place no i didn't my foot's falling asleep did you see that i my ring light went a little yutsy. All right. And him, him 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 and a, him and a ding. All right. The defendant, his co-conspirators Oh wait, I forgot to do it. The defendant, I can't do it. It's going to take 3 more hours. The defendant, his co-conspirators and their agents made knowingly false claims that there had been outcome-determinative fraud in the 2020 presidential election. These prolific lies about election fraud included dozens of specific claims that there had been substantial fraud in certain states, such as the large numbers of dead, non-resident, non-citizen, or otherwise ineligible voters had cast ballots, or that voting machines had changed votes for the defendant to votes for Biden. These claims were false, and the defendant knew that they were false. In fact, the defendant was notified repeatedly that his claims were untrue, often by by the people on whom he relied on for candid advice on important matters and who were best positioned to know the facts, and he deliberately disregarded the truth. For instance, and there's a lot of them. A lot of for instances, Gales. Oh, Girdle. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, somebody wants me to be the chief justice. Well, I accept. Uh-huh. Order in the courts. Order in the courts. Lesbians and germs. Ah, uh, let's see. Where was I? Oh, I feel so good in my... V- My, can I say vagina? Feels so much cooler with this air on. I'm sorry about the calming breeze and its associated noise, audience. (sighs) The defendant's vice president, here's the for instance list. Okay. The defendant's vice president, who personally stood to gain by remaining in office as part of the defendant's ticket and whom the defendant asked to study fraud allegations told the defendant that he had seen no evidence of outcome determinative fraud. The senior leaders of the Justice Department, appointed by the defendant and responsible for investigating credible allegations of election crimes, told the defendant on multiple occasions that various allegations of fraud were unsupported. The director of national intelligence, the defendant's principal advisor on intelligence matters related to national security, disabused the defendant on the notion that the intelligence community's findings regarding foreign interference would change the outcome of the election. The Department of Homeland Security's cybersecurity and infrastructure security agent, CISA, whose existence the defendant signed into law to protect the nation's cybersecurity infrastructure from attack, joined an official multi-agency statement that there was no evidence. Any voting system had been compromised And they declared the 2020 election the most secure in history. Days later, after the CISA director, whom the defendant had appointed, announced publicly that the election security experts were in agreement that claims of computer-based election fraud were unsubstantiated, the defendant fired him. Senior White House attorneys selected by the defendant to provide him candid advice informed the defendant that there were that that there was no evidence of outcome determinant of fraud election fraud and told him that his presidency would end on inauguration day 2021 oh there's more for instances jesus three more for instances senior staffers on the defendants 2020 re-election campaign whose sole mission was the defendant's re-election told the defendant on November seventh, 2020, that he had only a 5 to 10% chance of prevailing in the election, and that success was contingent on the defendant winning ongoing vote counts or litigation in Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Within, within a week of that assessment, the defendant lost Arizona, meaning he had lost the election. State legislators and officials, many of whom were the defendant's political allies, had voted for him and wanted him to be re-elected repeatedly, informed the defendant that his claims of fraud in their states were unsubstantiated or false, and resisted his pressure to act based on them. State and federal courts, the neutral arbiters responsible for ensuring the fair and even-handed administration of election laws, rejected every outcome determinate of post-election lawsuit filed by the defendant, his co-conspirators, and allies, providing the defendant real-time notice that his allegations were meritless. The defendant widely disseminated his false claims of election fraud for months, despite the fact that he knew, and in many cases had been informed directly, that they were not true. The defendant's knowingly false statements were integral to his criminal plans to defeat The federal government function obstruct the certification and interfere with others' right to vote and have their votes counted. He made these knowingly false claims throughout the post-election time period, including those below that he made immediately before the Capitol, the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. The defendant insinuated that more than 10,000 dead voters had voted in Georgia just four days earlier. Georgia's Secretary of State had explained to the defendant that this was false. The defendant asserted that there had been 205,000 more votes than voters in Pennsylvania. The defendant's acting attorney general and acting deputy attorney general had explained to him that this was false. The defendant said that there had been a suspicious vote dump in Detroit, Michigan the defendant's attorney general had explained to the defendant that this was false, and that the defendant's allies in Michigan state legislature, the Speaker of the House of Representatives and Majority Leader of the Senate, had publicly announced that there was no evidence of substantial fraud in the state. The defendant claimed that there had been tens of thousands of double votes on other fraud in Nevada. The Nevada Secretary of State had rebutted previously rebutted the defendant's fraud claims by publicly posting a Facts Versus Myths document explaining that Nevada judges had reviewed and rejected them, and that the Nevada Supreme Court had rendered a decision denying such claims. The defendant said that more than 30,000 non-citizens had voted in Arizona, the defendant's own campaign manager had explained to him that such claims were false, and the Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives, who had supported the defendant in the election, had issued a public statement that there was no evidence of substantial fraud in Arizona. The defendant asserted that voting machines in the various contested states had switched votes from defendant to Biden. The defendant's attorney general, acting attorney general, and acting deputy attorney general all had explained to him that this was false and that numerous recounts and audits had confirmed the accuracy of the voting machines. Okay, next section. The criminal agreement and acts to affect the obje- object of, conspira- of the conspiracy. The defendant's use of deceit to get state officials to subvert the legitimate election results and change electoral votes. I wish I brought more lipstick. I feel like it's fading. Uh-huh. Let's see. Um, shortly after election day... Uh, girdle. Wait, I need a break. Yum, 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 yum. Uh, oh my god, it's only 6.34. This is, this goes a lot slower than when I do my normal grammar. I just talk about nothing. This is, this is a lot of work here. Shortly after election day, but I do it for you, audience, but mainly I do it for the nagos who can't read and need lesbian drag queens to read for them. And I do this for you. I sacrifice for you, audience. Shortly after election day, which fell on November 3rd, 2020, the defendant launched his criminal scheme. On November 13th, de- the defendant's campaign attorneys conceded in court that he had lost the vote count in the state of Arizona, meaning, based on the assessment the defendant's campaign ve- advisors had given him just a week earlier, the defendant had lost the election. So the next day, the defendant turned to co-conspirator one, Giuliani, whom he announced would spearhead his efforts going forward to challenge the election results. From that point on, the defendant and his co-conspirators executed a strategy to use knowing deceit in the targeted states to impair, obstruct, and defeat the federal government function, including as described below. On November thirteenth oh this is for Arizona. On November thirteenth, twenty twenty, the defendant had a conversation with his campaign manager, who informed him that he had been circulating that a substantial number of non-citizens had voted in Arizona. This was false. On November 22nd, eight days before Arizona governors certified that the ascertainment of the state's state's legitimate electors based on the popular vote, the defendant and co-conspirator one called the speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives and made knowingly false claims of election fraud aimed at interfering with the ascertainment of and voting by Arizona's electorate electorate, thank girdle as follows. The defendant and co-conspirator one falsely asserted, among other things, that a substantial number of non-citizens, non-residents, and dead people had fraudulently voted in Arizona. The Arizona House Speaker had asked co-conspirator one for evidence of these claims, which co-conspirator one did not have, but he claimed he would provide. Co-conspirator one never did so. And it is alleged that co-conspirator one is Giuliani, as New York Times said. Girdle. B. Oh, I don't read letters anymore. It's not right. Do you like my hair? Uh, B. Oh, I read B again. Didn't mean to read a letter. The defendant and co-conspirator one asked... Arizona House Speaker to call the legislature into session to hold a hearing based on their claims of election fraud. The Arizona House Speaker refused, stating that doing so would require two-thirds vote of its members and that he would not allow it without actual evidence of fraud. The, evident, the defendant and co-conspirator one asked the Arizona House Speaker to use the legislature to circumvent the process by which legitimate electors would be ascertained for Biden based on the popular vote and replace those electors with a new slate for the defendant. The Arizona House Speaker refused, responding that the suggestion was beyond anything he had ever heard or thought of as something within his authority. And this is somebody who voted for Trump, by the way. Uh, On December 1st, co-conspirator 1 met with the Arizona House Speaker, when the Arizona House Speaker again asked co-conspirator one for evidence of outcome determinative election fraud, he and the defendant had been claiming co-conspirator one responded with words to the effect of, we don't have the evidence, but we have lots of theories. Mm-mm, mm-mm. On December 4th, the Arizona House Speaker issued a public statement that said, in part, no election is perfect. And if there were evidence of illegal votes or an improper count, then Arizona law provides a process to contest the election, a lawsuit under state law. But the law does not authorize the legislature to reverse the results of an election. As a conservative Republican, I don't like the results of the presidential election. I voted for President Trump and worked hard to reelect him. But I cannot and will not entertain a suggestion that we violate. Current law to change the outcome of a certified election. I and my fellow legislators swore an oath to support the U.S. Constitution and the Constitution and laws of the state of Arizona. It would violate that oath, the basic principles of Republican government, and the rule of law if we attempted to nullify the people's vote based on unsupported theories of fraud. Under the laws we wrote and voted upon, Arizona's Arizona voters cho- choose who wins, and our system requires that their choice be respected. On the morning of January 4, 2021, co-conspirator 2 called the Arizona House Speaker to urge him to use a majority of the legislature to decertify the state's legitimate electors. Arizona's validly ascertained electors had voted three weeks earlier and sent their votes to Congress, which was scheduled to count the votes in Biden's favor in just two days' time at the January 6th certification proceeding. When the Arizona House Speaker explained that the state investigations had uncovered no evidence of substantial fraud in the state, co-conspirator too conceded that he didn't know enough about facts on the ground in Arizona. But nonetheless, told Arizona House Speaker to decertify and let the courts sort it out. The Arizona House Speaker refused, stating that he would not play with the oath he had taken to uphold the United States Constitution and Arizona law. On January 6th, the defendant publicly repeated the knowingly false claim that 36,000 non-citizens had voted in Arizona. On November 20th, on the defendant's behalf, oh, by the way, this is Georgia, Let me just get a break here. Oh, I got a low. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Georgia. On November 6, 2020, on the defendant's behalf, his executive assistant set co-conspirator 3 and others, a document containing bullet points critical of a certain voting machine company, writing, see attached, please include as is, or almost as is, in lawsuit. Co-conspirator 3 responded nine minutes later, writing, all caps, It must go in all suits in Georgia and Pennsylvania immediately with a fraud claim that requires the entire election to be set aside. That's Sidney Powell, allegedly, by the way. In Co-Conspirator 3. In those states and machines impounded for nonpartisan professional inspection. On November 25th, Co-Conspirator 3 filed a lawsuit against the governor of Georgia falsely alleging massive election fraud accomplished through the voting machine company's election software and hardware. Before the lawsuit was even filed, the defendant retweeted a post promoting it. The defendant did this despite the fact that when he had discussed Co-Conspirator 3's far-fetched public claims regarding the voting machine company in private with his advisors, the defendant had conceded that they were unsupported and that Co-Conspirator 3 sounded, quote, crazy. Co-Conspirator 3's Georgia lawsuit was dismissed on December 7th. On December 3rd, Co-Conspirator 1, orchestrated a presentation to a judiciary subcommittee of the Georgia State Senate with the intention of misleading state senators into blocking the ascertainment of legitimate electors. During the presentation, an agent of the defendant and co-conspirator one falsely claimed that more than 10,000 dead people voted in Georgia. That afternoon, a senior advisor to the defendant told the defendant's chief of staff through text messages, just an FYI, a campaign lawyer and his team verified, that the 10,000 supposed dead people voting in Georgia is not accurate. It was alleged in co-conspirator 1's hearing today. The senator, this I'm sorry, the senior advisor clarified that he believed the actual number was 12. Another agent of the defendant and co-conspirator 1 played a misleading excerpt of a video recording and ballot counting at a state farm arena in Atlanta and insinuated that it showed election workers counting Suitcases of illegal ballots. Co-conspirator two encouraged the electors to decertify the state's legitimate electors based on false elections of election fraud. All I have to turn off these, these notifications. It's it's irritating me. I'm sorry, Grum. I have a special uh, focus. It's called Grum, and that's why I. It's just for only lets uh, very rare people text me. Really, yeah, Grum means program grum meets program this is a program this is dirty all right uh okay also on december 3rd the defendant issued a tweet amplifying the knowingly false claims made in co-conspirator one's presentation in georgia wow blockbuster testimony taking place right now in georgia ballot stuffing by Dems when republicans were forced to leave the large counting room plenty more coming but this alone leads to an easy win of the state on December 4th, the Georgia Secretary of State's Chief Operating Officer debunked the claims made at Co-Conspirator 1's presentation the previous day, issuing a tweet stating, quote, The 90-second video of election workers at State Farm Arena purporting to show fraud was watched in its entirety hours by Georgia Secretary of State investigators. Shows normal ballot processing. Here is the fact check on it. On November 7th, he reiterated during a press conference that the claim that there had been misconduct at State Farm Arena was false. On December 8th, the defendant called the attorney general to pressure him to support an election lawsuit filed in the Supreme Court by another state's attorney general. The Georgia attorney general told the defendant that officials had investigated various claims of election fraud in the state and were not seeing evidence to support them. Also, on December 8th, a senior campaign advisor who spoke with the defendant on a daily basis and informed him on multiple occasions that various fraud claims were untrue, expressed for fr- frustrations that many of co-conspirator 1 and his legal team's claims could not be substantiated. As early as mid-November, for instance, the senior campaign advisor had informed the defendant that his claims of a large number of dead voters in Georgia were untrue, With respect to the persistent false claim regarding State Farm Arena on December 8th, the senior campaign advisor wrote in an email, when our research and campaign legal team can't back up any of the claims made by our elite strike force legal team, you can see why we're 0-32 to on our cases. I'll obviously hustle to help on all fronts, but it's tough to own any of this when it's all just conspiracy shit beamed down from the mothership. That's a quote, conspiracy shit, beamed down from the mothership. On December 10th, four days before Biden's validly ascertained electors were to be ske- were, to, were scheduled to cast votes and send them to Congress, co-conspirator one appeared at a hearing before the Georgia House of Representatives Government Affairs Committee. Co-conspirator one played the State Farm Arena video again and falsely claimed that it showed voter fraud. Right. Out in front of people's eyes, and was the tip of the iceberg. Then he cited two election workers by name, baselessly accusing them of quite obviously, surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they are vials of heroin or cocaine, and suggested that these, that they were criminals whose places of work, their homes, should have been searched for evidence of ballots, for evidence of USB ports, for evidence of voter frauds. Therefore, After two election workers received numerous death threats, I'm sorry, thereafter, the two election workers received numerous death threats. On December 15th, the defendants summoned the incoming acting attorney general, the incoming acting deputy attorney general, and others to the Oval Office to discuss allegations of election fraud. During the meeting, the Justice Department officials specifically refuted the defendant's claims about State Farm Arena Arena, explaining to him that the activity shown on the tape Co Conspirator One had w- was used ha- that Co Conspirator One had used was benign. On december twenty third, A day after the defendant's chief of staff personally observed the signature verification process at the Cobb County Civic Center and noticed the defendant that the state election officials were conducting themselves in an exemplary fashion and would find fraud if it existed, the defendant tweeted that the Georgia officials were administering the signature verification process were trying to hide evidence of election fraud were terrible people. In a phone call on December 27th, the defendant spoke with the acting attorney general and acting deputy attorney general. During the call, the defendant again pressed the unfounded claims regarding State Farm Arena, and the two top justice officials again rebutted the allegations, telling him that the Justice Department had reviewed videotape and interviewed witnesses and had not identified any suspicious content, conduct. rather. On December 31st, the defendant signed a verification affirming false election fraud allegations made on his behalf in a lawsuit filed in his name against the Georgia governor. In advance of the filing, Co-Conspirator 2, who was advising the defendant on the lawsuit, acknowledged in an email that he and the defendant had, since signing a previous verification, been made aware that some of the allegations and evidence proffered by the experts had been inaccurate and that signing a new affirmation with the knowledge and incorporation by reference would not be accurate. The defendant and co-conspirator, too, caused the defendant's signed verification to be filed nonetheless. On January 2nd, four days before Congress's certification proceeding, the defendant and others called Georgia's secretary of state. During the call, the defendant lied to the Georgia's secretary of state to induce him to alter Georgia's popular vote counts and call into question the validity of Biden's electors which had been transmitted to Congress weeks before, including, as follows, the defendant raised allegations regarding the State Farm Arena video and repeatedly disparaged one of the same election workers that that co-conspirator one had maligned on December 10th, using her name almost 20 times and falsely referring to her as a professional vote scammer and hustler. In response, the Georgia Secretary of State refuted this. You're talking about the State Farm video. And I think it's extremely unfortunate that co-conspirator one or his people, they sliced and diced the video and took it out of context. When the Georgia Secretary of State then offered a link to a video that would disprove co-conspirator one's claims, the defendant responded, quote, I don't care about a link. I don't need it. I have a much, I have a much better link. What? No, I'm not Hillary. Who called me Hillary? All right. Uh, let's see. Uh Uh-huh. Let's see. Okay. The defendant asked about rumors that paper ballots cast in the election were being destroyed, and the Georgia Secretary of State's counsel explained to him that the claim had been investigated and was not true. The defendant claimed that 5,000 dead people voted in Georgia, Causing the Georgia Secretary of State to respond, Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. The actual number were two. Two. Two people that were dead that voted. And so your information was wrong. That was two. The defendant claimed that thousands of out of state voters had cast ballots in Georgia election. Which the Georgia Secretary of State's counsel refuted, explaining, We've been going through each of those as well. And the numbers that we got that defendant's counsel was just saying they're not accurate. Everyone we've been through are people that lived in Georgia, moved to a different state, but then moved back to Georgia legitimately. They've moved back years ago. This was not like something just before the election. In response to multiple other of the defendant's allegations, the Georgia Secretary of State's counsel told the defendant that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation was ex- examining all such claims and finding no merit to them. The defendant said that he needed to, quote, find 11,870 votes, 780 votes, and insinuated that the Georgia Secretary of State and his counsel would be subject to criminal prosecution if they failed to find election fraud and demanded, as he demanded, stating, quote and you are going to find that they are which is totally illegal it's 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 more illegal for you than it is for them because you know what they did and you're not reporting it that's a criminal you know that's a criminal offense and you know you can't let that happen that's a big risk to you and the georgia secretary of state's counsel your lawyer the next day on january 3rd the defendant falsely claimed that the georgia secretary of state had not addressed the defendant's allegations, publicly stating that the Georgia Secretary of State was unwilling or unable to answer questions such as the ballots under the table, scam, ballot, destruction, out-of-state voters, dead voters, and more. He has no clue. On January 6th, the defendant publicly repeated the knowingly false insinuation that more than 10,300 dead people had voted in Georgia. On November 2nd, I'm sorry, November 5th, 2020, the def- this is Michigan, by the way. Michigan, yeah, yeah, Michigan. The defendant claims. I'm sorry. Oh, girdle I need a break. Woo, woo. What time is it? Oh, okay. Oh, woo, woo. People like my hair. People are talking about my hair. Everybody knows I have the best hair. Okay, on November 5th, 2020. 2020- it's not like Hillary. Hillary doesn't have two tone. She never had two tone. On November 5th, this is Michigan on november 5th 2020 the defendant claimed that there had been a suspicious dump of votes purportedly illegitimate ballots stating in detroit there were hours of unexplained delay in delivering many of the votes for counting the final batch did not arrive until four in the morning and even though the polls closed at eight o'clock so they brought it in and the batches came in and nobody knew where they came from uh On November 20th, three days before Michigan governors signed a certificate of ascertainment notifying the federal government that based on popular vote, Biden's electors were to represent Michigan voters, the defendant held a meeting at the Oval Office with the Speaker of the Michigan House of Representatives and the Majority Leader of the Michigan Senate. In the meeting, the defendant raised his false claim, among others, of an illegitimate vote dump in Detroit. In response, the Michigan State Majority Leader Told the defendant that he had lost Michigan not because of fraud, but because the defendant had underperformed with certain voter populations in the state. Upon leaving their meeting, the Michigan House Speaker and Michigan State Majority Leader issued a statement reiterating this. The Senate and House Oversight Committees are actively engaged in a thorough review of Michigan's elections elections process, and we have faith in the committee process to provide greater transparency and accountability to our citizens. We have not yet been made aware of any information which would change the outcome of the election in Michigan, and as legislative leaders, we will follow the law and follow the normal process regarding Michigan's electors, just as we have said throughout this election. On December 1st, the defendant raised his Michigan vote jump claim with the Attorney General, who responded that what had occurred in Michigan had been the normal vote counting process, and that there was no indication of fraud in Detroit. Despite this, the next day, the defendant made a knowingly false statement that in Michigan, at 6.31 in the morning, a vote dump of 149,772 votes came in unexpectedly. We were winning by a lot. That batch was received in horror. Nobody knows anything about it. It's corrupt. Detroit is corrupt. I have a lot of friends in Detroit. They know it, but Detroit is totally corrupt. In Dece- on December 4th, co-conspirator won... Sent a text message to the Michigan. Maybe the reason Detroit is corrupt is because he has a lot of friends there. I'm just saying. All right. As on December fourth, co-conspirator one sent a text message to the Michigan House Speaker, reiterating his unsupported claim of election fraud and attempting to get the Michigan House Speaker to assist in reversing the ascertainment of the legitimate Biden electors. Stating, looks like any looks like Georgia may well hold some factual hearings and change the certifications under Article 2, Section Blah 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 of the Constitution, as co-conspirator 2 explained, they don't just have the right to do this, but the obligation, help me get this done in Michigan. Similarly, on December 7th, despite having established no fraud in Michigan, co-conspirator 1 sent a text intended for the Michigan Senate Majority Leader, so I need you to pass a joint resolution from the Michigan legislature that says, this election is in dispute. There's an ongoing investigation by the legislature, and the electors sent by Governor Whitmer are not the official electors of the state of Michigan and do not fall within the safe harbors deadline of December 8th under Michigan law. On December 14th, the date that electors in states across the country were required and submit their votes to Congress, the Michigan House Speaker and Michigan Senate Majority Leader announced that, contrary to the defendant's requests, they would not decertify the legitimate election results or electors in Michigan— The Michigan Senate Majority Leader public statement included, we have not received evidence of fraud on a scale that would change the outcome of the election in Michigan. The Michigan House Speaker's public statement read in part, we've diligently examined these reports of fraud to the best of our ability. I fought hard for President Trump. Nobody wanted him to win more than me. I think he's done an incredible job, but I love our republic too. I can't fathom risking our norms, traditions, institutions, to pass a resolution retroactively changing the electors for Trump simply because some think there may have been enough widespread fraud to give him the win. That's unprecedented for a good reason. And that's why there is not enough support in the House to cast a new slate of electors. I fear we'd lose our country forever. This truly would bring mutually assured destruction for every future election in regards to the Electoral College, and I can't stand for that. I won't. On January 6th, the defendant publicly repeated his knowingly false claim regarding an illicit dump of more than 100,000 ballots in Detroit. Pennsylvania. On November 11th, 2020, the defendant publicly maligned a Philadelphia city commissioner for stating on the news that there was no evidence of widespread fraud in Philadelphia. As a result, the Philadelphia city commissioner and his family received death threats. On November 25th, after Pennsylvania governor's after the Pennsylvania governor signed a certificate of ascertainment and thus certified to the federal government that the Biden's electors were the illegitimate electors for the state, Co-Conspirator 1 orchestrated an event at a hotel in Gettysburg attended by state legislators. Co-Conspirator 1 falsely claimed that Pennsylvania had issued 1.8 million absentee ballots, ballots and received 2.5 million in return. In the days thereafter, a campaign staffer wrote internally that co-conspirator 1's allegation was just wrong, and that there was no way to defend it. The deputy campaign manager responded, We've been saying this for a while. It's very frustrating. On December 4th, after four Republican leaders of the Pennsylvania legislature issued a public statement that the General Assembly lacked the authority to overturn the popular vote and appoint its own slate of electors, and that doing so would violate the the state election code and constitution, the defendant retweeted a post labeling the legislators cowards. On December 31st and January 3rd, the defendant repeatedly raised with the acting attorney general and acting deputy attorney general the allegation that in Pennsylvania there had been 205,000 more votes than voters. Each time the Justice Department officials informed the defendant that that his claim was false. On January 6th, 2021, the defendant publicly repeated his knowingly false claim that there had been 205,000 more votes than voters in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. On November 29, 2020, a recount in Wisconsin that the defendant's campaign had pet- petitioned and paid for did not change the def- election results, and that in fact, I can't, I got to read that sentence again, I'm sorry. On November 29th, a recount in Wisconsin that the defendant's campaign had petitioned and paid for did not change the election results and in fact increased the defendant's margin of defeat. On December 14th, the Wisconsin Supreme Court rejected an election challenge by the campaign. One ju- justice wrote, nothing in this, case, in this case casts any legitimate doubt that the people of Wisconsin lawfully chose President Biden I'm sorry, Vice President Biden and Senator Harris to be the next leaders of our great country. On December 21st, as a result of the state's Supreme Court decision, the Wisconsin governor, I can't say Wisconsin, 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 I'm going to say Wisconsin properly. The Wisconsin governor who had signed a certificate, I don't know why I can't say that state, too close, I guess. The Wisconsin governor, who had signed a certificate of ascertainment on November 30th, identifying Biden's electors as state, as the state's legitimate actors, signed a certificate of final determination in which he recognized that the state Supreme Court had resolved a controversy regarding the appointment of Biden's electors and confirmed that Biden had received the highest number of votes in the state and that his electors were the state's legitimate electors. That same day, in response to the court decision that had prompted the wisconsin governor to sign a certificate of final determination the defendant issued a tweet repeating his knowingly false claim of election fraud and demanding that the wisconsin legislature overturn the election results that had led to the ascertainment of biden's electors and the as the illegitimate electors on december 27th the defendant raised with the acting attorney general and acting deputy attorney general a specific fraud claim that there had been more votes than voters in wisconsin the acting deputy Deputy attorney general informed the defendant that the claim was false. On January 6th, the defendant publicly repeated knowingly false claims that there had been tens of thousands of unlawful votes in Wisconsin. Oh my God. Thank God Wisconsin's over. Okay, here's a new section, audience. I'm just going to read as much as I can. We're on page 21. Good Lord, on a wheel. Oh, I lost my place. Good thing I just said the page number out loud, audience. Does anybody want to smell my B.O.? Too bad you can't, but I can. Oist. Polyester that has never been washed in probably a decade. That's my story. What's yours, audience? Oh, God. (sighs) This is Lesbian Story Hour, hour two. Uh, Lesbian Drag Queen Story Hour for MAGA Indictment edition. Chicago, Illinois. That's where I am. All right. Um, As the defendants. Okay, this next section, did I read it? I don't think I read it. I would have remembered reading this long ass sentence. I think something went into my mouth from my nose. Uh. the defendants' use of dishonesty, fraud, and deceit to organize fraudulent slates of electors and cause them to transmit false certificates to Congress. I mean, this is this is just chilling, right? Isn't it chilling? I mean, it should be chilling to everybody. I know that most... Like, I read this yesterday, and I, th- I I just... You know, I knew that it was election fraud. I knew he was trying to overthrow the government, but the magnitude of it was just emphasized by reading this. And I when you see what's happening with the poll numbers for trump even though i think these polls are bullshit but he's actually getting more higher approval the more people charge him it's just clear that the maga people his supporters aren't reading this so that's why it's up to us uh, lesbians and drag queens to read it to them since they uh can't read all right can't maybe won't but probably can't uh, you know but you can listen you can listen MAGAs while you're eating while you're eating all right uh oh that big sentence the defendant's use of dishonest i just read that i did read that long sentence as the defendants i'm turning into uh, a golden girl actually i'm older as the defendant's attempts to obstruct the federal vote through the deceit of state officials met with repeated failure beginning in early december 2020 he and his co-conspirators developed a new plan to marshal individuals who would have served as the defendants electors had he won the popular vote in seven targeted states Arizona Georgia Michigan Nevada New Mexico Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and I did it again and caused those individuals to make and send to the vice president and congress false certifications that they were legitimate electors under the plan the submission of these fraudulent slates would create a fake controversy at the certification proceeding in Position the vice president presiding on January 6th as the president of the Senate to supplant legitimate electors with the defendant's fake electors and certify the defendant as president. The plan capitalized on ideas presented in memoranda drafted by co-conspirator five, an attorney who was assisting the defendant's campaign with legal efforts related to a recount in Wisconsin. The memoranda evolved over time from a legal strategy to preserve the defendant's rights to corrupt a plan to a corrupt plan to subvert the federal government's function by stopping Biden's electors' votes from being counted and certified. As follows, the November 18th memorandum, Wisconsin, mem- oh, not that country again, state again. The November 18th memorandum, Wisconsin, memo. <laughs> advocated that because of the ongoing recount in Wisconsin, the defendant's electors there should meet and cast votes on December fourteenth, the date the ECA required to appoint electors to vote to preserve the alternative alternative of the defendant's Wisconsin elector slate in the event the defendant ultimately prevailed in the state. The December sixth memorandum, fraudulent elector memo, marked a sharp departure from Co Conspirator 5's Wisconsin memo, advocating that the alternate electors originally conceived of to preserve rights in Wisconsin instead be used in a number of states as as fraudulent electors to prevent Biden from receiving the 270 electoral votes necessary to secure the presidency on January 6th. The fraudulent elector memo suggested that the defendant's electors in six purportedly contested states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, should meet and mimic as best as possible the actions of the legitimate Biden electors, and then on January 6th, the fake the fake. The vice president should open and count the fraudulent votes, setting up a fake controversy that would derail the proper certification of Biden as president-elect. The December 9th memorandum, fraudulent fraudulent electors instructions, consisted of co-conspirator five's instructions on how fraudulent electors could mimic legitimate electors in arizona georgia michigan nevada pennsylvania wisconsin co-conspirator five noted that in some states it would be virtually impossible for the fraudulent electors to to successfully take the same steps as the legitimate electors because state law required formal participation in the process by state officials or access to official resources i've got so much spit on this ipad you can't even imagine if you stick to the end if that happens i might um show you uh what that spit looks like on my ipad the plan the plan began in early december and ultimately the conspirators and the defendant the defendant's campaign took the wisconsin memo and expanded it to any state the defendant claimed was contested even in new mexico which the defendant had lost by more than 10 percent of the popular vote this expansion was forecast by emails the defend defendant's chief of staff sent on december 6th forwarding the Wisconsin memo to campaign staff in writing, we just need to have someone coordinating the electors for the states. On December 6th, the defendant and co-conspirator 2 called the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee to ensure that the plan was in motion. During the call, co-conspirator 2 called the chair, told the chairwoman that it was important for the RNC to help the defendant's campaign to gather electors in the targeted states and falsely represented to her that such electors' votes would be Used only if ongoing litigation in one of the states challenged, changed the results in the defendant's favor. After the RNC chairwoman consulted the campaign and heard that the work on gathering electors was underway, she called and reported this information to the defendant, who responded approvingly. On December 7th, co-conspirator one received the Wisconsin memo and the fraudulent elector memo. Co-conspirator one spoke with co-conspirator six regarding attorneys who could a- assist. in the fraudulent lecture who could assist in the fraudulent lecture i can't talk anymore but i'm going to try (laughs) co-conspirator one spoke with co-conspirator six regarding attorneys who could assist in the fraudulent elector effort in the targeted states and he received from co-conspirator six an email identifying attorneys in arizona georgia michigan nevada new mexico pennsylvania and wisconsin The next day, on December 8th, Co-Conspirator 5 called the Arizona attorney on Co-Conspirator 6's list. In an email after the call, the Arizona attorney recounted his conversation with Co-Conspirator 5 as follows. I just talked to the gentleman who did that memo, Co-Conspirator 5. His idea is basically that all of us, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania, etc., have our electors send in their votes, even though the votes aren't legal under federal law because they're not signed by the governor so that members of Congress can fight about whether they should be counted on January 6th. They could potentially argue that they're not bound by federal law because they're Congress and make the law, etc. Kind of wild creative. I'm happy, to, I'm happy to discuss. My comment to him was that I guess there's no harm in it, legally at least, i.e. we would just be sending in fake electoral votes. to depends that someone in Congress can make an objection when they start counting votes and start arguing that the fake votes should be counted. Oh, my God. As Conspirator 1's direction, on December 10th, Co-Conspirator 5 sent to points of contact in all targeted states except Wisconsin, which had already received his memos, and New Mexico, a streamlined version of the Wisconsin memo, which did not reveal the intended fraudulent use of the defendant's electors and the fraudulent elector, elector instructions, along with fraudulent elector certificates that he had drafted. The next day, on December 11th, through co conspirator 5, co conspirator 1 suggested that the Arizona lawyer file a petition for certiorari in the Supreme Court as a pretext to claim that litigation was pending in the state to provide cover for the convening and voting of the defendant's fraudulent electors there. Co conspirator 5 explained that co conspirator 1 had heard from a state official and state provisional elector that it could appear treasonous for the arizona electors to vote on monday if there was no pending court proceeding to manage the plan in pennsylvania on december 12th co-conspirator one co-conspirator five and co-conspirator six participated in a conference call all organized call organized by the defendants campaign with the defendants electors in that state when the defendants electors expressed concern about signing certificates representing themselves as legitimate electors co-conspirator one falsely assured them that their certificates would only be used if the defendant succeeded in litigation. Subsequ- subsequently, co-conspirator 6 circulated proposed conditional language to that effect for potential inclusion in the fraudulent elector certificates. A campaign official cautioned not to offer the conditional language to other states because the other states are signing what he prepared. If it gets out that we changed the language for Pennsylvania, it could snowball. In some cases, the defendant's electors refused to participate in the plan. On, November, on December 13th, Co-Conspirator 5 sent Co-Conspirator 1 an email memorandum that further confirmed that, that the conspirator's plan was not to use fraudulent electors only in the circumstance that defendant's litigation was successful in one of the targeted states. Instead, the plan was to falsely present the fraudulent slates as an alternative to legitimate slates at the Congress's certification proceeding. On December 13th, the defendant asked the senior campaign advisor for an update on what was going on with the elector plan and directed him to put out a statement on electors. As a result, co-conspirator one directed the senior campaign advisor to join a conference call with him, co-conspirator six and others, when the senior campaign advisor related related these developments and text messages to the deputy campaign manager, a senior advisor to the defendant, and a campaign staffer. The deputy campaign manager responded, here's the thing, the way this has morphed, and it's a crazy plan, so I don't know who wants to put their name on it. The senior advisor wrote, certifying illegal votes. In turn, the participants in the group text message refused to have a statement regarding electors attributed to their names because none of them could stand by it. Also, on December 13th, at a campaign staffer's request, Co-Conspirator 5 drafted and sent frozen electors certified for the defendants' electors in New Mexico, which had not previously been among the targeted states and where there was no pending litigation on the defendants' behalf. The next day, the defendants' campaign filed an election challenge suit in New Mexico at 11.54 a.m., six minutes before the new deadline for the electors' votes as a pretext so that there was a so, there, so that there was a pending litigation there at the time the fraudulent, fraudulent electors voted. On December 14th, the legitimate electors of all 50 states and the District of Columbia met in their respective jurisdictions to formally cast the votes for president, resulting in a total of 232 electoral votes for the defendant and 306 for Biden. The legitimate electoral votes that Biden won in the states that the defendant targeted and the defendant's mar- margin of defeat were as follows Arizona, 11 electoral votes, 10,457 votes. Georgia, 16 electoral votes, 11,779 votes. Michigan, 16 electoral votes, 154,188 votes. Nevada, 6 electoral votes, 33,596 votes. New Mexico, 5 electoral votes, 99,720 votes. Pennsylvania, 20 electoral votes, 80,555 votes. And Wisconsin, 10 electoral votes, 20,682 votes. On the same day at the direction of the co-defendant and co-conspirator 1, fraudulent electors convened... Ooh, hold on, I scrolled wrong. Apple's being fixed accidental scrolling. Where was I? F. Oh, jeez, where was I? I don't know. Christ on a stick. Where was I? I can't rewind. Hey, audience, where was I? Is anybody listening? Oh well. Oh God. I lost my place. Thanks, Apple, for loosey-goosey scrolling. Let's see. Stand by it. Oh, there's all the stupid vote counting. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Girdle. Be right there. Uh. Did I finish? Oh. Maybe I read this already, I don't care. On the same day, the direction of the, the defendant and co-conspirator one fraudulent electors convened sham proceedings in the seven targeted states to cast fraudulent electoral ballots in favor of the defendant. In some states, in order to satisfy legal requirements set forth, For a legal, legitimate electors under state law, state officials were enlisted to provide the fraudulent electors access access to state capitol buildings so that they could gather and vote there. In many cases, however, as Co-Conspirator 5 had predicted the fraudulent elector instructions, the fraudulent electors were unable to satisfy the legal requirements. Nonetheless, as directed in the fraudulent elector instructions, Elector instructions, shortly after the fraudulent electors met on December 14th, the targeted state's fraudulent elector certificates were mailed to the President of the Senate, the Archivist of the United States, and others. The defendant and co-conspirators ultimately used the certificates of these fraudulent electors to deceitfully target the government function, and did so contrary to how fraudulent electors were told they would be used. Unlike those fraudulent, of the fraudulent electors, consistent with the ECA, The legitimate electors signed certificates were annexed to the state executive certificates of ascertainment before being sent to the president of the senate and others that evening at 6 26 p.m the rnc chairwoman forwarded to the defendant through his executive assistant an email titled electors recap final which represented that the six that in six contested states arizona georgia michigan nevada pennsylvania wisconsin the defendant's electors had voted in parallel to Biden's electors. The defendant's executive assistant responded, it's in front of him. The defendant's, uh, the defendant's attempt to leverage the Justice Department to use deceit to get state officials to replace legitimate electors and electoral votes with the defendants. In late December 2020, the defendant attempted to use the Justice Department to make knowingly false claims of election fraud to officials in the targeted states through a formal letter under the acting attorney general's signature, thus giving the defendants lies the backing of the federal government and attempting to improperly influence the targeted states to replace legitimate Biden electors with the defendants. On December 22nd, the defendant met with co-conspirator four at the White House. Co-conspirator four had not informed his leadership at the Justice Department of the meeting, which was a violation of the Justice Department's written policy restricting contacts with the White House to guard against improper political influence. On December 26th, co-conspirator 4 spoke on the phone with the acting attorney general and lied about the circumstances of his meeting with the defendant at the White House, falsely claiming that the meeting had been unplanned. The acting attorney general, co-conspirator 4, not to have the acting attorney general directed co-conspirator 4 not to have unauthorized contacts with the White House again, and co-conspirator 4 said he would not. The next morning on December 27th, contrary to the acting attorney general's direction, co-conspirator 4 spoke with the defendant on the defendant's cell phone for nearly three minutes. That afternoon, the defendant called the acting attorney general and acting deputy attorney general and said, among other other things, people tell me co-conspirator 4 is great, I should put him in. The defendant also raised multiple false claims of election fraud, which, which the acting attorney general and acting De- deputy attorney general refuted. When the acting attorney general told the defendant that the Justice Department could not, would not change the outcome of the election, the defendant responded, "Just say that the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman." On December 28th, co-conspirator four sent a draft letter. To the acting attorney general and acting deputy attorney general which he proposed they all sign the draft was addressed to state officials in georgia and co-conspirator four proposed sending versions of the letter to elected officials in other targeted areas the proposed letter contains numerous knowingly false claims about the election and the justice department including <laughs> including that Girdle, God. I really wish I had a glass of fucking water. It's empty. Well, I have one sip left. Did you see me take one sip of water this whole time? One hour and twenty minutes? This is my first sip of water. And probably my last, because it's empty. You're welcome. That's for Tyler, who makes Taylor, who makes album art for me. I know he likes faces for his album art. There's no sound. Where was I? Okay. I hope you got some good ones you're not going to see me in this getup for a while. Unless I don't finish. Then I have to do it again next week. Well, hopefully my wife won't come home before I finish, but I'm supposed to go to Brazilian Bowl to get a burger because she went out with friends to eat garbage, so I get to eat garbage. And I want a Brazilian burger. It has an egg on it and bacon. You can go fuck yourself if you're vegan. Or meat. Or whatever. Not all of us liberals are, you know, vegans. Yeah. You like that? All right. You like that? All right. All right. Back. Okay. Uh, the proposed letter. Here's what it included. That. That. The Justice Department had identified significant concerns that may have impacted my feces. Just kidding. That may have impacted the... <laughs> I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I really am losing it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had something to smell to wake me up. I've got stats. I don't think, no. I don't think Air Blaster will do it though. Is that like a popper? All right, I'm sorry. This is drag queen. I mean, lesbian story ever. I have to be, behave. I don't want to set a bad example. Okay, that was a bonus for you, Taylor. Tyler, whatever your name is. Ah, uh, Gaitle great album art from taylor i don't want to say his last name because i don't know if he wants me to all right um the justice department (laughs) not the impacted feces again i don't know if i can do this okay i'm gonna i'm gonna get it together i want to be on the view still all right i want to be on the view hire me i should be on the view i can read Mm-hmm. I can be sassy. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Mm-mm. The Justice Department had identified significant concerns that may have impacted the outcome of the election in multiple states. The Justice Department believed that Georgia, that in Georgia and other states, two valid slates of electors had gathered at the proper location on December 14th and that both sets of ballots had been transmitted to Congress. I wonder how they transmit them, by the way. Is it electronic? Like VeriSign, DocuSign? Or they send it to you? I'm just curious, because they say transmitted. I'm just curious how that works. Not relevant. That is, co-conspirator Ford's letter sought to advance the defendant's fraudulent elector plan by using the authority of the Justice Department to fraudulently present the electors as valid alternative to the legitimate electors. The Justice Department urged That the state legislature convene a special legislative legislative session to create the opportunity to, among other things, choose the fraudulent electors over the legitimate electors. Okay. Here are some more bigger sentences. Hopefully this will be easier. I'm going to take off the iPad holder. I think you should see her naked. I love an iPad naked, don't you? It looks so much prettier than that ghastly mag safe case. I know you gearheads will fap to this, right? You out there? All right. The acting... See that? You like that? The acting... Uh, 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 uh. By the way, if you like this, listen to my podcast, East Radio. YeastRadio.com. I've been doing it for almost 20 fucking years. Also, sorry to swear, didn't mean it. Well, I also can... Tra- I have a sub-stack... Which is really garbage but it's a good way to support me financially it's only like four dollars a month and i put stuff out like at least once a week but it's mostly garbage madge.substack.com so please do that you can't donate to me on youtube because i've been demonetized but they're happy to take all of my views the acting deputy attorney general attorney general who is she the acting deputy attorney general Promptly responded to CoConspirator four by email and told him <laughs> Sorry, I was just laughing about how this person sent me a screenshot of how to show my bookmarks on the New York Times app. Thank you, but too late. I don't know why I'm just now reacting now. I think I'm starting to lose my mind. Um I hope my wife doesn't come home before I get my hamburger. If you're ever in Chicago, Brazilian bowl is delicious. I'm near my house. Oops. Oh, or I could just eat Jenny's instead. Brambleberry Crunch and just skip the hamburger, right? But the problem is then I'd have to tell my wife and she'd say, What did you have for dessert, Matt?" for for dinner, Madge? And I'd say, I skipped lunch and had a, a dessert dinner and I had a brambleberry crunch Jenny. Uh I would be in the dog house, so that's not gonna happen. Anyway, I gotta pass gas. Yeah. Oh. Ow. I don't know if you can hear that. What with the mag safe? What is going on? Oh, that's me in the other mirror thing. I saw myself from like five seconds ago and I got... What the fuck is that? I mean, heck. I'm getting really cuckoo now. All right. Okay, I'm going to read. The acting... At this point, it's just like a marathon. Like I'm just doing it to get through it. I don't know if I will. Page 29. The acting deputy attorney general... I'm sorry, if i already read this paragraph. I don't even know what's happening. The acting, with these bright lights. The act, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to finish. The acting, yes, I will. The acting deputy attorney general promptly responded to co-conspirator four by email and told him that his proposed letter was false, writing, can you tell that I have bad posture? <laughs> writing, despite dramatic claims to the contrary, we have not seen the type of fraud that calls into question the reported and certified results of the election. In a meeting shortly thereafter, the Acting Attorney General and Acting Deputy Attorney General can't they abbreviate that for F's sake, AAG and ADAG? ADAG? AG and and ANDAG. Again, directed co-conspirator 4 not to have unauthorized contact with the White House. On December 3rd, The defendant summoned to the Oval Office the acting Attorney General, acting Deputy Attorney General, and other advisors. In the meeting, the defendant again raised claims about election fraud that the Justice Department officials already had told him were not true, and that the senior Justice Department officials reiterated were false, and suggested he might change the leadership in the Justice Department. On January 2nd, 2021, just Four days before Congress's certification proceeding, Co-Conspirator 4 tried to coerce the acting attorney general and acting deputy attorney general, Jesus, to sign... Jesus wasn't him. To sign and send Co-Conspirator 4's draft letter, which contained false statements to state officials, he told them that the defendants was considering making Co-Conspirator 4 the new acting attorney general that co-conspirator four would decline the defendant's offer if the acting attorney general and acting deputy attorney general would agree to send the proposed letter to the targeted states. The Justice Department officials refused. The next morning, on January 3rd, despite having uncovered no additional evidence of election fraud, co-conspirator four sent to a Justice Department colleague an edited version of his draft letter to the states, which included a change from its previous claim that the Justice Department had concerns to a stronger false claim of that, quote, as of today, there is evidence of significant regular irregularities that may have impacted the outcome of the election in multiple states. Also, on the morning of January 3rd, co-conspirator 4 met with the defendant at the White House again, without having informed senior Justice Department officials and accepted the defendant's offer that he become acting attorney general. On the afternoon of January 3rd, co-conspirator 4 spoke with the deputy White House counsel. The previous month, the deputy White House counsel had informed the defendant that there is no world, there is no option in which you do not leave the White House on January 20th. Close quote. I'd never opened the quote, but you can guess when the opening happened. Now, the same deputy White House counsel tried to dissuade Co-Conspirator 4 from assuming the role of acting attorney general. The deputy White House counsel reiterated to Co-Conspirator 4 that there had not been outcome determinative fraud in the election, and that if the defendant remained in the office nonetheless, there would be riots in every major city in the United States. Co-Conspirator 4 responded, well, Deputy White House Counsel, that's why there's an Insurrection Act. Also, that afternoon, Co-Conspirator 4 met with the Acting Attorney General and told him that the defendant had decided to put co-conspirator four in charge of the justice department the acting attorney general responded that he would not accept being fired by a subordinate and immediately scheduled a meeting with the defendant that evening on the evening of january 3rd the defendant met for a briefing on an overseas national security issue with the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff and other national security advisors the chairman briefed the defendant on the issue which had previously arisen in december as well as possible ways the defendant could handle it when the chairman and another advisor amended recommended that the defendant take no action because inauguration day was only 17 days away and any course of action could trigger something unhelpful the defendant calmly agrees saying yeah you're right it's too late for us we're going to give we're going to give that to the next guy right the defendant moved immediately from this national security briefing to the meeting that the acting attorney general had requested earlier that day, which included co-conspirator four, the acting attorney general, the acting deputy attorney general, the justice department's assistant attorney general for the office of legal counsel, the White House counsel, a deputy White House counsel, and a senior advisor at the meeting, the defendant expressed frustration with the acting attorney general for failing to do anything to overturn the election results, and the group discussed co-conspirator four's plans to investigate purported election fraud and to send his proposed letter to state elect to. St- to state officials, a copy of which was provided to the defendant during the meeting. The defendant relented his plan to replace the acting attorney general with the co-conspirator four only when he was told that it was a result in mass resignations of the Justice Department and of his own White House counsel. At the meeting of the Oval Office on the night of January 3rd, co-conspirator four suggested that the Justice Department should opine that the Vice President could exceed his lawful authority during the certification proceeding and change the election outcome when the assistant attorney general for uh, for the office of legal counsel began to explain why the justice department should not do so the defendant said no one here should be talking to the vice president i'm talking to the vice president and ended the discussion next section the defendant's attempts to enlist the vice president to fraudulently alter the election results at the January 6th election certification proceeding. At the January... You can't see me scratch my vagina from here because my vagina is below the camera line. Just saying. Right. Okay. Uh, As the January 6th congressional certification proceeding approached and other uh, efforts to impair, obstruct, and defeat the federal government function failed, the defendant sought to enlist the vice president to use his ceremonial role... At the certification to fraudulently alter the election results the defendant did this first by knowingly false by using knowingly false claims of election fraud to convince the vice president to accept the defendant's fraudulent electors reject legitimate electoral votes or send legitimate electoral votes to say legislatures for review rather than count them when that failed the defendant attempted to use a crowd of supporters that he had gathered in washington dc to pressure the vice president to fraudulently alter the election results on december 19th 2020 after cultivating widespread anger and resentment for weeks with his knowingly false claims of election fraud the defendant urged his supporters to travel to washington on the day of the certification pre- tweeting big protest in dc on january 6th be there it'll be wild throughout late december he repeatedly urged his supporters to come to washington for january 6th uh, On December 23rd, the defendant retweeted a memo titled Operation Pence card, which falsely asserted that the vice president could, among other things, unilaterally disqualify legitimate electors from six targeted states. On the same day, Co-Conspirator 2 circulated a two-page memorandum outlining a plan for the vice president to unlawfully declare the defendant the certified winner of the presidential election. In the memorandum, co-conspirator two claimed that the seven states had transmitted two slates of electors and proposed that the vice president announce that because of the ongoing disputes in seven states there are no electors that can be deemed validly appointed in those states next co-conspirator two proposed steps that he acknowledged violated the eca advocating that in the end pence then gavels president trump as reelected. just two months earlier on october 11th co-conspirator two had taken the opposite position writing that neither the constitution nor the eca provided the vice president discretion in the counting of electoral votes or permitted him to make a determination on his own on several private phone calls in late december and early january the defendant repeatedly knowingly false claims repeated knowingly false claims of election fraud and directed and directly pressured the vice president to use his ceremonial role as a certification proceeding on january 6th to fraudulently overturn the results of the election and the vice president resisted including on december 26th i'm sorry on december 25th when the vice president called the defendant to wish him a merry christmas the defendant quickly turned the conversation to january 6th and his request that the vice president reject electoral votes that that day. The vice president pushed back, telling the defendant, as the vice president already had in previously conver- previous conversations, you know, I don't think I have the authority to change the outcome. On December 29th, as reflected in the vice president's con- con- contemporaneous notes, the defendant falsely told the vice president that the Justice Department was finding major infractions. On de- January 1st, the defendant called the vice president and berated him because he had learned that the vice president had opposed a lawsuit seeking a judicial decision that, at the certification, the vice president had the authority to reject or return votes to the states under the Constitution. The vice president responded that he thought there was no constitutional basis for such authority and that it was improper. In response, the defendant told the vice president, you're too honest. Within hours of the conversation, the defendant reminded his supporters to meet in Washington before the certification proceeding, tweeted, The big protest rally in Washington, D.C. will take place at 11 a.m. on January 6th. Locational details to follow. Stop the steal. On January 3rd, the defendant again told the vice president that at the certification proceeding, the vice president had the absolute right to reject the electoral votes and the ability to overturn the election. The vice president responded that he had no such authority and that a federal appeals court had rejected the lawsuit, making that claim the previous day on january 3rd co-conspirator 2 circulated a second memorandum that included a new plan under which contrary to the eca the vice president would send the elector's slates to the state legislatures to determine which slate to count on january 4th the defendant held a meeting with co-conspirator 2 the vice president the vice president's chief of staff and the vice president's counsel for the purpose of convening convincing the vice president, based on the defendant's knowingly false claims of election fraud, that the vice president should reject or send to the state Biden's legitimate electoral votes rather than count them. The defendant deliberately excluded his White House counsel from from the meeting because the White House previously had pushed back from the defendant's false claims of election fraud. During the meeting, as reflected in the vice president's contemporaneous notes, the defendant made knowingly false claims of election fraud, including, bottom line, won every state by th- hundreds of thousands of votes. We won every state, and we asked, regarding a claim in his senior Justice Department officials previously had told him was false, including as recently as the night before, what about 205,000 votes more in Pennsylvania than voters? The defendant and co-conspirator, two then Asked the vice president to either unilaterally reject the legitimate electors from the seven targeted states, or send the question of which state was the slate was legitimately was legitimate to this targeted state's legislatures. When the vice president challenged co-conspirator two on whether the proposal to return the question to the states was defensible, co-conspirator responded, "Well, nobody's tested it before." The vice president then told the defendant, "Did you hear that? Even your own counsel is saying." is not saying I have the authority. The defendant responded, that's okay. I prefer the other suggestion of the Bryce president rejecting the electors unilaterally. Also, on January 4th, when Co-Conspirator 2 acknowledged to the defendant's senior advisor that no court would support his proposal, the senior advisor told Co-Conspirator 2, you're going to cause riots in the streets. Co-Conspirator 2 responded that there had previously been points in the nation his, nation's history where violence was necessary to protect the public. After that, the senior advisor notified the defendant that co-conspirator two had conceded that his plan was not going to work. On the morning of January 5th, the defendants, at the defendant's direction, the vice president's chief of staff and the vice president's council met again with co-conspirator two. Co-conspirator two now advocated that the vice president do what the defendant had said he preferred the day before, unilaterally reject electors from the targeted states. During this meeting, co-conspirator 2 privately acknowledged to the vice president's counsel that he hoped to prevent judicial review of his proposal because he understood that it would be unanimously rejected by the Supreme Court. The vice president's counsel expressed co-conspirator 2 that the that following through with the proposal would result in a disastrous situation where the election might have to be decided in the streets. The same day, that same day, the defendant encouraged supporters to travel to Washington on January 6th, and he set the false expectation that the vice president had the authority and might to use his ceremonial role at the certification proceeding to reverse the the election outcome in the defendant's favor, including Issuing the following tweets at 11:06 a.m., the vice president has the power to reject fraudulently chosen electors. This was for 40 minutes. Uh, this was within 40 minutes of the defendant's earlier s- reminder. See you in D.C. At 5:05 p.m., Washington is being inundated with people who don't want to see an election victory stolen. Our country has had enough. They won't take it anymore. We hear you and love you from the Oval Office at 5.43 p.m. I will be speaking at the Save America rally tomorrow at the Ellipse at 11 a.m. Eastern. Arrive early. Doors open at 7 a.m. Big crowds. Also on January 5th, the defendant met alone with, vice president, with the vice president. When the vice president refused to agree to the defendant's request that he obstruct the certification, the defendant grew frustrated and told the vice president the defendant would have to publicly criticize him. Upon learning of this, the vice president's chief of staff was concerned for the vice president's safety and alerted the head of the vice president's secret service detail. As crowds began to gather in Washington and were audible from the Oval Office, the defendant remarked to advisors that the crowd, was follow- that the, crowd the following day on January 6th was going to be angry. That night, the defendant approved and caused the defendant's campaign to issue a public statement that the defendant knew from his meeting with the vice president only hours earlier was false the vice president and I are in total agreement that the vice president has the power to act. On January 6th, starting in the early morning hours, the defendant again turned to knowingly false statements aimed at pressuring the vice president to fraudulently alter the election outcome and raised publicly the false expectation that the president might do so. At 1 o'clock a.m., the defendant issued a tweet that falsely claimed, quote, if Vice President Mike Pence comes through for us, we will win the presidency. Many states want to decertify the mistake they made in certifying incorrect and even fraudulent numbers in a process not approved by their state legislatures, which it might be. Mike can send it back. At seventeen I'm sorry. Gaidle. At eight seventeen AM, the defendant issued a tweet that falsely stated, quote, States want to correct their votes which they now know were based on irregularities and fraud. Plus, corrupt process never received legislative approval. All Mike Pence has to do is send them back to the states and we win. Do it, Mike. This is time for extreme courage. On the morning of January 6th, we're going to have a party when I hit page 40, audience. We're here. Yeah. Oh, skirt girdle. I wish I had water, but I don't. And I'm not going to get up. Because I don't know how to work this. I just reinstalled the OBS software, and I don't I don't have the thing working where I can play other crap, so it's I don't want to just get up and leave a blank screen. Although I could take the camera with me because I got that thing on with the bullshit. Not bullshit. BS. That continuity camera I'm using. I can't believe it worked this long. Oh, that's a jinxer. Well, if it stops, it stops. But I do have it plugged into an external battery pack. By the way, the battery on this iPhone mini, a 13 Soxos, booty, behinds. On the morning of January 6th, an agent of the defendant contacted a United States senator to ask him to hand deliver documents to the vice president. The agent then facilitated the receipt by the senator's staff of the fraudulent certificates signed by the defendant's fraudulent electors in Michigan and Wisconsin, which were believed not to have been delivered to the vice president or archivist by mail. When one of the senator's staffers, contacted a staffer for the vice president by text message to arrange for delivery of what the senator st- the senator's staffer had been told were alternative slates of electors slates of electors for m for michigan and wisconsin because the archivist didn't receive them the vice president's staffer rejected them at 11:15 a.m the defendant called the vice president and again pressured him to fraudulently reject or returns return biden's illegitimate sorry legitimate electoral votes the vice president again refused immediately after the call the defendant decided to single out the vice president in public remarks he would make within one hour reinserting language that he had personally drafted earlier that morning falsely claiming that the vice president had authority to send electoral votes to the states but that advisors had previously successfully advocated be removed uh, earlier this morning Earlier that morning, the defendant had selected Co-Conspirator 2 to join Co-Conspirator 1 in giving public remarks before his own. When they did so, based on knowingly false election fraud claims, Co-Conspirator 1 and Co-Conspirator 2 intensified pressure on the vice president to fraudulently obstruct the certification proceeding. Co-Conspirator 1 told the crowd that the vice president could, quote, cast the ECA aside and unilaterally decide on the validity of these crooked ballots. Uh of these crooked decide on the validity of these crooked ballots he also lied when he claimed to have letters from five legislatures begging us to send electoral electors slates to the legislatures for review and called for trial by combat co-conspirator two told the crowd all we're demanding of vice president pence is this afternoon at one o'clock he let the legislatures of the state look into this so that we get to the bottom of it and the American people know whether we have control of the direction of our government or not. We no longer live in a self-governing republic if we can't get the answer to this question. Next, beginning at 11.56 a.m., the defendant made multiple knowingly false statements integral to his criminal plan to defeat the federal government function, obstruct the certification, and interfere with others' rights to the vote and have their votes counted. The defendant repeated false claims of election fraud, gave false hope that the vice president might change the election outcome, and directed the crowd in front of him to go to the capitol as a means to obstruct the certification and pressure the vice president to fraudulently obstruct the certification. The defendant knowingly the defendant's knowingly false statements for these purposes included. The defendant falsely claimed that based on fraud, the vice president could alter the outcome of the election results, stating, I hope Mike is going to do the right thing. I hope so, because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. All he has to do, all this, this is from the number one, or certainly one of the top constitutional lawyers in the country. He has the absolute right to do it. We're supposed to protect our country, support our country, support our constitution, and protect our constitution states they want to revote the states they got defrauded they were given false information they voted on it they want to recertify it they want it back all vice president pence has to do is send it back to the states and to recertify and we become president and you are the happiest people the royal we is profoundly disturbing isn't it after the defendant falsely stated that the pennsylvania legislature wanted to recertify their votes they want to recertify but the only way they can happen that can happen is if mike pence agrees to send it back the crowd began to chant send it back the defendant also said that regular rules no longer applies stating and fraud breaks up everything doesn't it when you catch somebody in a fraud you're allowed to go by very different rules Finally, after exhorting that, we fight, we fight like hell, and if you don't fight like hell, you're, going, you're not going to have a country anymore. The defendant directed people in front of him to head to the Capitol, suggested he was going with them, and told them that to give members of Congress the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. During and after the defendant's remarks, thousands of people marched toward the, toward the Capitol. I thought it was towards, but okay, toward. I've been saying towards all my life. March towards. It's not towards toward the capital. Okay. Uh, right. Speaking of tour, I tore a little crack. This is just an aside. I tore. uh yeah. I tore a little bit of my rectum, uh, the sphincter, and I had to put some um, and about a cream on it after I used. You know, I washed it. Irrigated the area. I put some of the citration um, ointment on it for five days. And it's pain-free now. I'm happy to say it was really painful before. It was like an, I needed an episiotomy. But I didn't get an episiotomy. I just got basitration. It's a wonder drug. All right. Oh, am I ugly? I look like... Oh, am I ugly? How did I get this ugly? My head's like a triangle shape now. Age made me triangular in shape. Okay, next section... The Defendant's Exploitation of the Violence and Chaos at the Capitol. Shortly before 1 p.m., the Vice President issued a public statement explaining that his role as President of the Senate at the certification proceeding that was about to begin did not include unilateral authority to determine which electoral votes should be counted and which should not. Before the defendants finished speaking, a crowd began to gather at the Capitol, thereafter a mass of people, including individuals who had traveled to Washington and to the Capitol at the defendant's direction, broke through barriers cordoning off the Capitol grounds and advancing on the building, including by violently attacking enforcement officers trying to secure it. The defendant, who had returned to the White House after concluding his remarks, watched events at the Capitol unfold on television in the dining room next to his Oval Office. At 2.13 p.m., after more than an hour of steady, violent advancement, the crowd at the Capitol broke into the building. Upon receiving news that individuals had breached the Capitol, the defendant's advisors told him that there was a riot there and that the rioters had reached the building. When the advisors urged the defendant to issue a calming message aimed at the rioters, the defendant refused, instead repeatedly remarking that the people at the Capitol were angry because the election had been stolen. At 2.24 p.m., after advisors had left the defendant alone in the dining room, the defendant issued a tweet intended to further delay and obstruct the certification mike pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our constitution giving states a chance to certify a corrected set of facts not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones which they were asked to previously certify usa demands the truth one minute later at 2:25 pm the united states secret service was forced forced to evacuate the president to a secure location at the Capitol, throughout the afternoon, members of the crowd chanted, Hang Mike Pence! Where's Mike Pence? Bring him out! And traitor Pence! The defendant repeatedly refused to approve a message directing rioters to leave the Capitol as urged by his most senior staffers, including senior advisors, including the White House counsel, a deputy White House counsel, the chief of staff, a deputy chief of staff, and a senior advisor. Instead, the defendant issued two tweets that did not ask rioters to leave the Capitol, but instead falsely suggested that the crowd at the Capitol was being peaceful, including at 2.38 p.m. Please support our Capitol, police, and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. At 3.13 p.m. Now I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. At 3 p.m., the defendant had a phone call with the minority leader of the U.S. House of Representatives. The defendant told the minority leader that the crowd at the Capitol was more upset about the election than the minority leader was. Okay. Uh, it's, oh, my, oh, I'm on page 41. I wish I had a blow, a blowy... Th- Getting close, audience. I think we might do it. We might get her done, get her done, get her done, get her done. Get her done get her done get her done what get her done okay uh yeah right uh yeah page 41 at four seventeen p.m the defendant released a video message on twitter that he had just typed tapped taped in the white house rose garden In it the defendant repeatedly repeated the knowing false claim that we had an election that was stolen from us and finally asked Individuals to leave the Capitol wall telling them that they were very special and we love you. After 4:17 p.m. tweet. After the 4:17 p.m. tweet, as the defendant joined others in the outer office to watch the attack on the Capitol on television, the defendant said, "See, this is what happens when they try to steal an election. These people are angry. These people are really angry about it. This is what happens." At 6:01 p.m., the defendant tweeted, "These are." The things and the events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and victoriously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long go home with love and peace. Remember this day forever. On this, on the evening of January 6th, the defendant and co-conspirator one attempted to exploit. The violence and chaos at the capitol by calling lawmakers to convince them based on knowingly false claims of election fraud to to delay the certification including the defendant through the white house aides attempted to reach two united states senators at 6 p.m from 6:59 until 7 18 p.m co-conspirator one placed five calls to united states senators and to one uh re- united states representative Co-cons- co-conspirator six attempted to confirm Phone numbers for for six United States senators whom the defendant had directed co conspirator one to call and attempt to enlist in further delaying the certification. In one of these calls, co conspirator one left a voicemail intended for a United States senator that said, We need you, our Republican friends, to try to just slow it down so we can get these legislatures to get more information to you. And I know they're reconvening at eight tonight, but the only strategy we can follow is to object to numerous states and raise issues so that we get ourselves into tomorrow, ideally until the end of tomorrow. And another message intended for another United States senator, co-conspirator one, repeated repeated knowingly false allegations of election fraud, including that the vote counts certified by the states to the Congress were incorrect, and that the governors who had certified knew that they were incorrect, that illegal immigrants had voted in substantial numbers in Arizona, and that Georgia gave you a number in which 65,000 people who were underage voted co-conspirator one also claimed that the vice president's actions had been surprising and asked senator to object asked the senator to object to every state and kind of spread this out uh a little bit like a filibuster at 7.01 p.m while co-conspirator one was calling the united uh, united states senators on behalf of the defendant the white house counsel called the defendant to ask him to withdraw any objections and allow the certification the defendant refused The attack on the Capitol obstructed and delayed the certification for approximately six hours until the state and House representatives came back into session separately at 8.06 p.m. and 9.02 p.m. respectively and came together in a joint session at 11.35 p.m. At 11.44 p.m., co-conspirator 2 emailed the Vice President's counsel advocating that the Vice President violate the law and seek further delay of the certification. Co-conspirator 2 wrote, I implore you to consider one or more relatively mi- one relatively minor violation of the eca and adjourned for 10 days to allow the legislatures to finish their investigations as well as to allow a full forensic audit of the massive amounts of illegal activity that has occurred here at 3:41 a.m on january 7th as president of the senate the vice president announced the certified results of the 2020 presidential election in favor of biden the defendant and his co-conspirators committed one more of the acts to effect the object of the conspiracy alleged above, in paragraphs thus and so. The alleged, uh, the alle- allegations contained in paragraphs one through four, and, and thus and so of this indictment, are re-alleged and fully incorporated here by reference. From or about, from on or about November fourteenth, twenty twenty, through. On or about January twenty, uh, I'm going to read that again, ladies and audience. From on or about November fourteenth, twenty twenty, through on or about January seventh, twenty twenty-one, in the District of Columbia and elsewhere, the defendant Donald J. Trump did knowingly combine, conspire, confederate, and agree with co-conspirators known and unknown to the grand jury to corruptly obstruct and impede an official proceeding that is the certification of the electoral vote in violation of Title 18, United States Code, Section 1512C2. In violation of Title 18, United States Code, Section 1512K. The allegations contained in paragraphs thus and so of this indictment are re-alleged and fully incorporated here by reference, from on or about November 14th, 2020 to on or about January 7th, 2021, in the District of Columbia and elsewhere, the defendant, Donald J. Trump, attempted to and did corruptly inv- obstruct and impede an official proceeding that is the certification of the electoral vote in violation of Title 18, United States Code, Sections 1512, c 22. 2 The allegations contained in paragraphs thus and so of this indictment are realized and fully incorporated here by reference from on or about November 14th, 2020 through on or about January 20th, 2021 in the District of Columbia and elsewhere. The defendant, Donald J. Trump, did knowingly combine, conspire, confederate, and agree with co-conspirators, known and unknown to the grand jury, to injure, oppress threaten and intimidate one or more persons in the free exercise and enjoyment of a right and privilege secured to them by the constitution and laws of the united states that is the right to vote and to have one's vote counted in violation of title 18 united states code section 241 a true bail signed person signed jack smith special counsel united states department of justice Well, we did it, audience. Well, there I go, using the royal we, like President X Trump. The interesting thing, and I'm done, I need to get my burger, is thusly. uh, I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm not some asshole you're supposed to listen to. I'm just a stupid bitch. But Trump lies, and the people believe him. And he just lies. And all the shit he's saying isn't true. But he's a really good liar. He's a pathological liar. I've known people like that. People who just lie constantly. And people believe them. Half the country believes him. He's just a a liar. So what do you do about that? You read them this. you got to read it. Read it to them. Read it to them. I don't know what else to say. But... um, I hope you enjoyed today's uh, lesbian drag queen uh, story hour Uh, indictment edition. Maybe I'll do the next indictment. I guess there's one expected from Atlanta, right? I'm gonna stop. Bye, audience. Thanks for thanks for this. Remember uh, to um, whatever. Stop streaming.